0: Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his me the willingness?
1: Welcome to Freedom to choose. Brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out of control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, Here's Rich and Susan with solutions for freedom for those you love.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Rich Kallenberg.
2: And my name is Susan Kallenberg.
0: Susan, what do we have for today?
2: Today, we're going to talk about being addicted to emotional chaos.
0: Can you be addicted to emotional chaos? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Would you pray for us, uh, please? Yes.
2: Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We pray that um, you will help us not to just to talk about the problem, what, but what solutions you have so that we can live uh, calmer and unchaotic uncha- lives. And we're just so grateful that you do have solutions for us, and uh, they are eternal solutions. And so please be with the program today. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. You know, we've talked about many, many different things throughout uh, this series on what we can be addicted to and emotions and whatnot, but there's a couple things we haven't talked about. I mean, you can be addicted to having to be right or addicted to a person or a relationship that's unhealthy. One can also be addicted to false ideas or false beliefs. And as we'll talk about today, we can even be addicted to emotional chaos, and I can remember as a child, and it's pretty clear in my mind uh, now as I look back on it, but I th- was about 10 years old or so, and we lived uh, We lived in a small town. And the next-door neighbors, every evening between 5 and 6, there would be World War Three. And it was unbelievable. There would be glass breaking and doors slamming and yelling at the top of the lungs. And we, could, we would sit at our dinner table like in the summer evening when we had our windows open. And you could hear it like it was in your own house.
1: Wow. And
0: I thought, how can people live like this? Um, come to find out, the man was a drinker. And I don't know. You know, we never dug into the particulars of what happened. But this went on every single night. And sometimes this type of chaos can become a norm. It can be, uh, this
2: becomes every part, of, every part of your everyday life. Part of life. your
0: everyday life. And I know there are some people that are, that try to break out of addiction, um, drug addictions. And part of what they can't let go is the chaos. Is all the juggling and all the stuff that goes along with dealing drugs and doing drugs and hiding and all the all the the shucking and jiving and all that stuff. It's the chaos that they can't let go of, mm-hmm. and that's why they don't want to. They don't want to uh, leave their friends or what whatnot. Uh, it might just seem to be the way things are to some people, right? But chaos and dysfunction can actually be an addiction. You know, habits, like we've said before, are our friends when they're good ones, but bad habits can turn into addictions. What, again, is our definition of an addiction?
2: Addiction is a habit that controls you. You don't control it. We don't control addictions. And they're
0: divided into the two classes. What are they?
2: Uh, substance addiction and behavioral addiction.
0: Okay. Now, we're talking about behavioral addictions here, um, you know, chaotic behavior. Mm-hmm um do you know any bad influences
2: What do you, what do you
0: mean by that <laughs> Besides me did you have to ever have to walk away from bad influences Oh yeah Um
2: you know we can look at at bad influences as being you know the the person that's doing the drugs or selling the drugs or whatever but I think even sometimes you know family of origin can be a bad influence and I know that until i changed that even my own family you know
0: before my, you changed, could you recognize what it was a good no influence i was Batman? i
2: was a part of it see that's the i thing. was a player when you
0: can and we're going to talk about that yeah because when you are a part of it and it's being a part of that is that chaos it, it it's has, like
2: it's like being deceived you don't know you're deceived until you're undeceived. It's like
0: being asleep you don't know you're asleep till you wake up right you know um In addiction recovery, in in life in general, there's only two kinds of influences, good or bad. For the most part, there's no middle ground. People will either have a good influence on us or a bad influence on us. Most of the time, it's not hard to tell, is it?
2: No, where the bad influences are in our lives. But if you think... You're in a chaotic situation. If there are any questions at all, it would be best to discuss it with your pastor or, or a, a friend that you trust.
0: Because it's hard to tell sometimes if you're accustomed to living in dysfunction and chaos, and it's you just think everybody lives that way and and you accept it as the norm, but or, life doesn't have to be that right.
2: way, right? And I think too is you know you get discouraged into thinking that nothing would ever change, so you just keep up with that that cycle
0: right so when we're talking about the cycle of 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 addiction and codependency and you mentioned the word players so who are the emotional chaotic players uh and 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 how many of them are there because in the cycle of addiction the code and codependency with any type of addiction requires three main people groups of people and it doesn't have to be uh, I mean, they switch Sometimes, places. Right. It's like a shell game. Exactly.
2: Sometimes you can be one <laughs> one personality and then you're switching and you're doing another part of the game. Exactly. So we start with the enablers. And those are people who allow, excuse, and finance and bail out the the
0: addict. And you know what? These The enablers are the – I mean, it's hard to say who is most culpable in any situation. But I mean, an enabler can really prolong – some stuff right um, by never letting somebody suffer the consequences and I'm not it's hard to it's hard when you're in the situation to say do I let do I let my child suffer the consequences of their own actions and do I kick them out of the house because they're not living under on my rules?" you know I
2: think one of the biggest things for an enabler is but what about the grandchildren am I am I supposed to let you know my son or daughter go to jail what what will happen to the children Right. You know, and I give them money so that they can feed the children when, in fact, the money's probably going to drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be, the gambling, yeah. whatever.
0: I know that some people call us and they're broken down because their child got thrown into jail. And sometimes we say, you know what, that's probably the best thing that could have happened right now in this situation. Let them sit there, get their head clear and think about things. That's right. So it's really, you walk a fine line trying to help someone versus enable them. You know, um, that's
2: right. So we have the we have the enabler,
0: and that the definition for that is doing something for not doing something for someone that they could and should do for themselves. Right. If you're doing something for someone that they could and should do for themselves,
2: then you're then, an then you're an
0: enabler. Right. Okay.
2: The next group is the persecutors, those who stir up the pot in order to put the addict on the defense and look for a way out of the pain.
0: See, because some people do like to stoke the fire, stoke, stir things up knowing mm-hmm. that they're going to they're gonna get the person on edge and then they know what the result is. Um, so persecutors, that, that's, that's the next player. Right. What's, what's the next player?
2: Uh, the victims. Those who wallow in the excuse that someone is abusing, picking on, insulting, and not recognizing their good qualities.
0: Okay, so there's always a victim. There's always a persecutor, there's always an enabler, and they come in different forms and different, at different times. In the normal cycle of addicted relationships, the enablers, the persecutors, and the victims occupy all these roles at various times. Yeah, to various sometimes,
2: degrees. sometimes an addict can play all three all at the all, same all time. All at the same
0: time. Uh, you know what, I'd like to throw a fourth in there, the manipulator. Yes. Because that,
2: that's usually the addict, that's
0: usually the addict, and he's playing all these roles at once to manipulate and get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's using the enabler, you know, he's he's using persecuted persecution and victimization, uh, to get someone to feel sorry for him, mm-hmm. and and it's all a manipulative game, and uh, so you have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a, lot a
2: lot of chaos a lot of chaos. It's all
0: intertwined. it needs these players. these players need the chaos mm-hmm. and it's kind of a crazy way to live
2: it it's it's well as we go on I think I'll bring up what I learned that what it was so. okay
0: and you know uh because to the attic reality is their worst enemy. Someone will even do whatever it takes to appear perfect and you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Make that outside look really good, uh, no matter what kind of chaos is going on inside. Do you know right. what I'm saying?
2: Right. So from a very young age, I felt like I always had to hide because I was sexually molested over several years, and I didn't want anybody to know the pain and the ugliness of who, what reality was for me. And so I... I just hid everything and I lied about everything because it was too hard for me to be able to express that to anybody. And um you know, I learned I just had learned that from from a very young age that to keep people out, to keep people from really seeing who I was, I had to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't.
0: So you really had to shine things up on the outside? I had to look
2: good because if I at least if I looked good on the outside, nobody would judge me for the like i said you know the ugliness of what i felt like in the inside
0: don't you got to be kind of a chameleon too if you're along if you're in one crowd you got to act one way it's
2: it's almost as though i tried to and i was no wonder I ended up the way I was. I mean, I look back and I was so exhausted because I was always trying, trying to, to figure out what you thought of me so I could either change it or act a certain way so that I would, you would be li- accepted. I would like you.
0: Yeah, you'd be accepted. Right. Kind of a miserable way to live. But see, then when Christ frees us from all that, because we are accepted by him, and that's all we have to understand. Right. Uh, so you, for the most part, then your life, your life was one big lie. Right? Everything
2: was a lie. Everything was Everything a lie. Everything
0: was a lie. Just, that's a hard thing to come to the realization it is. that everything in your life was a lie but you know what though wasn't it wasn't it a freeing experience to understand that and you know
2: it took a long time it it takes a it, long time to come out from that old person and to
0: to unlearn and all to the...
2: and to be free in christ sure. you know because because when you're you've got so much bondage and so much baggage and Corruption. And it feeds,
0: and it's intertwined with other right. stuff. And then you start cutting one string; you got to cut something else. But you don't want to cut that yet. And the next thing you know, you're holding on to stuff you know you got to let go. And it just and that's why Jesus says, you know, my, don't, you're
2: not supposed to be heavy burdened. No, I'm the one that carries your burden. That's Come right. Come yoke up with me, and and your burden would be light.
0: Yeah. So one of the worst things we can do to ourselves is to tell ourselves lies and to lie about what we need to do to make ourselves look good. Mm-hmm. When we tell ourselves lies, we tell ourselves that we're worthless, like you were doing, or we hate ourselves, or you know that everything, uh, if I can just bandage things up and shine things up on the outside, it's going to be all right, When we, that's a lie too, right? That's right. Uh, or that we don't need help, then we're lying to ourselves too.
2: Absolutely, and you know, the fact of the matter is, is no matter who you are, you, you need help. Doesn't matter Christ. who we are. That's it right. does not no matter, matter who what we are. What your condition is, where, you can't do it on your own. No,
0: where we think we are on the food chain, him that stands, take heed lest he fall. That's he right. He thinks he stands. Yeah.
2: So we all must be aware of all the inclusive statements, such as "I'll never amount to anything." I'm a failure at everything I do. These catechol categorical statements are very dangerous because they influence the way we think about ourselves and you, except for the one that says i can do all i can all do all things, things
0: through christ. christ who strengthens me right. or if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to
2: cleanse us do, from can, all unrighteousness can,
0: to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness That's right. see because when you live uh when you live um in a tainted past if you will of, of, uh, uh like myself I changed my brain because I, I, I use these categorical statements and I still fall back into that mm-hmm. trap. And that trap will take me where I cannot go. Right. If I, I'll, you know, I'll make a mistake or I'll do something wrong and then I'll go back to that. You or know, you think uh,
2: you do something or wrong. Or I think you do
0: something wrong and you say, you know what, I'm a failure to everything I do. Man, I'm a lousy, you know. And the next thing you know, you're running around telling yourself how lousy you are telling yourself lies and that and that's that's the old behavior but sometimes we fall into that old behavior because we're trying to unlearn all that old behavior the and and jesus wants to renew the mind that's right and 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 make the mind new but that is a process clean
2: heart which is creating us a clean mind and
0: that that heart does not make categorical statements about god's child right about how how worthless we are no
2: and so instead of making categorical statements about us we make categorical statements about him yeah because his statements are are perfect
0: and his promises are perfect that's right and they will always be true
2: so instead of looking to our own minds and our own selves we got to look away from self and look to god's word
0: and that's the key to the christian walk and that's the that's the thing to learn now i look somewhere else I don't I don't have to look at myself or try so hard.
2: That's right. So there are two main reasons why we lie to ourselves. The first reason is sort of um, a defense mechanism is to lower our own expectations of ourselves. This gives us an excuse not to try and allows failure to become acceptable it, to
0: Exactly, us. because if we tell ourselves that we're worthless and that we'll never amount to anything, then and we then we fail,
2: right. and th- th- just, that's
0: just what we expected, and we lower our own expectations, and then that way there, we're not accountable. Right. We, if we fail, so what? We plan okay. to fail. exactly. And, 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 it, feeds and it feeds on itself. And it feeds on itself. The second reason, of course, is and and one of the biggest lies that an addict will tell himself, is that he's not an addict. If he's not an addict and he feels that there's no reason to ask for help and, uh, you know, you can't help someone that doesn't need help. And, of course, that's the next lie. I don't need any help. And I don't know if you, about you, but if you ever tried to help someone that claims they don't need help, you can't help them. Right. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Right. I came to call those who know they need help right. to repentance. Right. It's the only ones I can help. you don't think
2: you need help, I can't help. I
0: can't help you.
2: Right. Did you know that an addiction in our sense can actually take away our power of choice?
0: That's right. See, you know, the, it's kind of a hard thing to explain uh
2: Right because the substance <laughs> or behavior that we're addicted to forces its demands upon us and causes us to be a slave over whatever we have given ourselves over to and overrules in a sense our power of choice.
0: That's right because w- what we what we're talking about here is when we allow ourselves to engage in behavior that we know is suspect or bad and then we continue and continue and continue it becomes a part of us
2: right it becomes a part of our character
0: and then we've given ourselves over to that behavior or over to that substance and it, it literally can take your power of choice away because now you're deceived and telling yourself you don't need help because you don't have a problem
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's when you've lost your power of choice that's true bondage that's right. bondage but then when one realizes what they're doing is wrong and they say i need help mm-hmm just opens the door to get your freedom to choose back because now you're choosing the right way and there's all kinds of options for you. Many times we tell ourselves that we want to be free to use a certain substance or engage in a certain behavior, but our freedom is lost when that substance or behavior tells us when and where to engage in it. Remember, as we learned earlier, if we tell ourselves lies, we'll believe lies and that's how we turn our brains into lying brains. If we're jealous all the time, that's how we turn our brains into jealous brains. If we're angry all the time, that's how we turn our brains into angry brains. Mm -hmm. So is it a truth or a lie? I don't have a choice.
2: I don't know. Is it a truth or a lie? It did, I guess it depends on if you've given your... There's the, always a choice.
0: There's always a choice. Unless
2: we've given ourselves over to the point where you're no longer open to...
0: Exactly. In, That's to the closed the heart. That's the closed right. heart.
2: So someone once said, destiny is not a matter of chance, but a matter of choice. It is not a thing to be waited for. It is a thing to be achieved.
0: See, addiction's all about self and pride. It's about us feeling better in the moment, no matter the cost or who is hurt in the process. Family, children, careers, marriages, homes, property, reputation, they're all sacrificed for this selfishness, this living in the moment. Sadly, though, addictions are an attempt to fill the void in one's life that sees nothing to love. And that's the sad part about it, and how it must hurt the angels, and how it must hurt God for us to fill our lives with something other than him when... It's so plain and simple to them if we would just fill our lives with them, but we don't do that. Addiction to drugs, pornography, alcohol, pride, appetite, they're all manifestations of loving a false idol, of putting something, something or someone else in the place of Christ.
2: That's right. It's fellowship with Him, not with the idol, that the human heart truly learns for. But the idol worship, in whatever form it may take, deceives us with a trinket instead of the genuine and deception is sin.
0: People can go to church and even wave their Bible in the air and still be addicts. That's right. The question is, does the true gospel have power to deliver us from this addictive obsession? We'd have to answer yes or the world and the church are in hopeless ruin. Well, let's look at a fascinating story in the Bible about the healing power of Jesus. This story fascinates me.
2: In Luke five seventeen. The Bible reads, One day when Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every town in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed, and they tried to carry him into the house and to put him in front of Jesus. Because of the crowd, however, they couldn't find no way to take him in. So they carried him up on the roof, made an opening in the tiles, and let him down on his bed into the middle of the group in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw how much faith they had, he said to to the man, Your sins are forgiven, my friend. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees began to say to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemy? God is the only one who can forgive sins. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Why do you think such things? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, get up and walk? I will prove to you then that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, pick up your bed and go home. Once the man got up in front of them, all took the bed he had been lying on and went home praising God. They were all completely amazed, full of fear. They praised God, saying what marvelous things we have seen today.
0: Oh, this story has so much in it. If you drop back to Luke 5:20, when he says Jesus saw how much faith they had, his friends came to him and said, you know, we're taking you there. Right. Can you imagine what they had to do? They got to the house. The place was so crowded that they couldn't get in. So they're going to take this guy and let him lower him through the roof. What faith he had to have to be on display. Right lower it down in that roof, not knowing whether Jesus was going to heal him because the prevailing mindset of the day was if you were paralyzed or if you were a leper, you were cursed of God and, and you were a sinner and you were an outcast and you couldn't be helped because you were cursed of God. So here he's on display and there's teachers and there's Pharisees and scribes and all these people around. And Jesus says, because of their faith and your faith.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he says, What's harder, to forgive sins or to tell the man to rise up and walk? So that you know that I have power to forgive sins, rise up and walk. And I mean, what an amazing story. So if we take that at face value and say, what we know about Jesus, we need to go get our friends that are spiritually crippled and bring them to Jesus. Get
2: out of the chaos. Get
0: out of the chaos and bring them to Jesus. And if it takes lowering them through the roof, lower them through the roof, whatever it takes to get them to Jesus, because they are spiritually crippled. And if you're sometimes people that are spiritually crippled, don't know they are. So how do we reach them? That's a whole nother subject for another day. But we have to be excited enough about Jesus to want to bring them, bring them to him. Well, at and any think, cost and I
2: think too in the way w- that we act and how we respond to people we can bring Jesus to them through through the way we are that's right you know we're supposed to be the light of the world and if we are truly shining the light of Christ then um, we're, we're bringing them to him and the way that we act and we respond
0: that's right you know because sometimes you know you might be the only Bible, that someone gets to read.
2: That's right. You
0: may be the only, and and uh, you know, there's going to be people that you that aren't responding the way you want them to, because maybe they, uh, especially uh, when we try to reach people that have been addicted to caught certain up in
2: chaos, caught up in total
0: chaos, <laughs> and they're not responding the way you want. You still have to do uh, your part. Do your part and act like a Christian. Those friends of that paralytic. They didn't make excuses. Oh, it's going to be too hard. When they got there, they didn't say the crowd's too big. Or when they got there, you know, you're going to be accused of being a sinner or you're going to be accused of being cursed of God. Maybe Jesus is not going to him. Maybe that ran through their mind, but they didn't do that. They were faithful. They went and got that guy. And I can just picture them saying, we're taking you to Jesus and Jesus is going to heal you. And this guy still had to allow them to lower him down in front of all those people. That's right. You know, it's a humbling experience sometimes to come to the Lord. It's a humbling experience, but it's well worth it, isn't it?
2: It's the only answer. It's
0: the only answer. And I think it that Jesus will fill the void in all of our hearts if we just put away the idols, if we want to put away the chaos. And then
2: we say, do you have to help, no, help me to, to think what I'm supposed to be thinking because yes, I don't know. Yes, because
0: I don't even know sometimes. Right. That's right. So, and... Uh, well, we're running out of time once again, folks, and uh, we can never forget the words of Christ: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you." And as we close today, folks, we would like you to keep in mind that there is a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor. Do you
1: love me? Can I feel his pain and his need? Really need you. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.